Greetings, strangers, queer and pleasant. I'm not Laura Kate Magnadale. Oh, cup, 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 cup. Uh, okay, uh, just a bit more energy, are uh, you thinking? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, no, I'll, I'll know the take when I hear it. Just, just uh, give okay. it another go. Mm, more drama, more drama. <clears throat> Greetings, strangers, queer and pleasant. I am not Laura Kate Magnadale. Okay, cup, cup. God, it's still, okay. still not quite no, right. Okay. Still not quite right. Greeting, strangers, queer and pleasant. I'm not Lorcake McDade. Oh, cut, cut, cut. Oh, oh, we're really, really not finding the right vibe for this. This is not what I'm looking for. What were you thinking then? Oh, you know, you know, uh, just, just a bit, a, a bit more, bit more queer and pleasant. Well, greeting, strangers, queer and pleasant. I'm not Laura Kate Magnet Dale. <laughs> well, I was not ready for it to be that queer and pleasant. <laughs> C- continue. You're most welcome. <laughs> Greetings, strangers, queer and pleasant. I'm not Laura Kate Magnetdale. I'm not Jane Harris Magnetdale, and welcome to another episode of Queer and Pleasant Strangers. It's a podcast where two queer trans women, that's us, we have a bit of a catch-up about the media, what we have consumed in the week, and have a bit of a... do silly voices and skits and try we and do. make each other have a bit of a giggle. Yeah. It's that thing we do once a week. We do, we do how, that every week. How are you doing? Oh, I'm chilly little bean. I'm a sleepy little bean. <sighs> I'm also a sleepy little bean. I'm, I'm, I'm Maybe a... we should just go snuggle. I'm, I'm, I don't know how good that would make for audio for the show, but... I mean, there's a there's a part of me that's like I could I could just I could just go for a little snuggle. But the problem is, if I snuggle up to you now, I will just fall asleep, and again, yeah. that's not that's not good audio. Well, maybe it'd be the the extra long feature snoozer bonus, the subliminal cut. <laughs> well, you'll we... find out what the dream version of us has to say about. The things we played, watched, and listened to. Well, I mean, I've, I feel like the awake version of us probably will have more coherent thoughts. So what have you played this week? What have I played this week? Not a lot. But yeah. I have played a couple of things. Yeah, um, tell, me, tell me about what you played. So we, we got a uh, new Fatal Frame on PC. We did, yeah. Fatal Frame Mask of the Lunar Eclipse has, has arrived. I think this was a Wii U game, but I don't know if it was ever released in... Uh, I, in an English language version, I don't believe so because I think the previ- the most uh, the previous Fatal Frame that came out that was a Wii U one, I think that's the only one that came to the Wii U in English. Yes. So I, I think, think so. this is the other Wii U one that never got converted. Yes, I think this is five. I think we're on five. It's a Fatal Frame game. I'm not gonna lie. It's uh, it's it's it does all of the things Fatal Frame does. You have a character. They're wandering around somewhere spooky. They something happens to them, and they are eaten by ghosts. And then somebody else act- is actually the start of the story, and it's really about them searching for some the person that you played in the prologue to try and get them to do the thing. And um, that sure sounds like a fatal frame. <laughs> this time, it's either in a hospital or a museum or a museum. I don't know. Um, I'm f- f- finding like the location. A little bit peculiar. There appear to be nurses. Okay. But also there's like several mentions of, oh yeah, here is just like some glass cabinets with like historical nurses uniforms. But Mm. also like one of those display cabinets is inside the nurses station. So it's like, are other nurses going, hmm, 
yes, I appreciate the historical I mean, relevance of this. I, my my gut instinct there is a uh, former hospital that is now like a that, that there is some time weirdness going on, and it was in use as a hospital, but in a different point in time, it is a. A relic of the past. Whomst can say, I don't really understand. Some bits of it look like a fancy hotel, but maybe that is just nice, nice hospitalness. Um, there is like a whole, oh, something happened to us as children, and we don't remember it, but maybe it's something, something bad, if, and, and maybe we can try and recall what the thing is and get uh, the information about the things and stuff. Ooh. Um, enjoying it so far played a bunch on stream last week and i will probably play some more on stream on thoisdee so looking looking forward to chewing through that enjoying it so far enjoying the hilarious slow run that all fatal frames have (laughs) that little chase me chase me for ghosts it's um it's 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 always a very dainty little run i must not perspire (laughs) uh what about you what have you been playing uh, a big part of my week has been has been playing a bunch of stuff on Playdate because I think last week when we recorded, I had downloaded like fifty Playdate games off of itch.io. I believe that was the case, uh, and had not yet really tried any of them. So I'm gonna like rattle through a lot of quick ones that I can very simply get through. Okay, Doctor Panic. It's Doctor Mario, but legally distinct and on the Playdate. Uh, France Horn. Uh, you use the crank to... France Horn is basically um, uh, Trombone Hero. Right. Uh, trombone Champ, if there was less gameplay. You use the crank to make a French horn sort of spiral longer and longer and make a different note, or spiral back inwards and make a, a different note that way. Right. You hold down a button to make it make a noise, and you sort of play this weirdly spiraling uh, French horn. Sure. It is silly, it is nonsense, it is very simple. Excellent. 2048. It is 2048, the number combining I game. 2048 but ported well. to the Playdate. Um, 2048, the game that's not as good as threes. <laughs> uh, a joke that's worth 99 cents. Oh, yes. I think you did start talking about this last yeah, week. Yeah, I may have started talking about this last week. It is a game where you are, you've got a tiny little bouncy-butted person that you're trying to uh, use a virtual playdate handle using your real playdate handle to sort of bounce up and down and not mm-hmm. let him fall and collect these little stars to hear a several minutes long joke and if you drop him even once you go right back to the start of the joke. And you've heard the punchline now. Right? I've heard the punchline now. Was and, it worth? Um, it is the only kind of punchline that would have worked for an experience like this. Was it basically the camel joke? I mean... It's not dissimilar to the camel joke. <laughs> it is, it is a joke that like no, no, no other punchline than the one they used. They couldn't have gotten away with any other punchline. It right. was the only punchline they really. It it fit the note of what the experience was conveying, and it was indeed a joke worth ninety nine cents. Yay! Uh generations. So this one I'm going to talk about like a little bit more. Right. This is. Kind of like a 3s or a 2048, but it's got its own really interesting spin. So instead of like sliding numbers to combine them, mm-hmm. it is a game where you have like a, a wall in a family home and you are, you have a stack of photos, uh, of pe- people from a family of varying age brackets. Right. And you are basically trying to place 
three of the same age family member, like in in touching uh, spaces, right? Uh, that connect to each other, and then they will combine down into a single picture of the next age up. Okay, like Triple Town. Yes. Uh, whichever the final picture you place is that creates the the chain of three or more, mm-hmm. that is where the new picture will end up. So you have to sort of carefully think through not only can I create a chain of three, say, three baby pictures or three, um, uh, like, parent age pictures. Yes. But can I... Will this be a convenient place for there to be a new picture of the next age up? Yes. Uh, there are some restrictions on where you can place pictures on the wall. You have this sort of, like, um, grid space to work within. Mm-hmm. But you can never go... Um, you always have to be within uh, basically one grid space of where you've currently explored out to. So you can't just go, like, place something in the far corner without sort of putting things slowly further across the wall to get to that spot. Right. Um, And it is basically a game of getting as high a score as you can by continually combining images until you accidentally get yourself into a position where, like, oops... I've locked myself in and I, I've, I've filled up the wall and can't combine anything more. Oopsie doodle. It is a really neat, charming little spin on a very familiar formula. It plays really nicely. I appreciate that they do different kinds of shading for backgrounds of all the pictures, so you can objectively tell at a glance, oh, that's a um, checkerboard grid behind that person. That's definitely one of this age of character. Mm. This one has a diagonal hatch. It's definitely one of those. Uh, for making sure that you don't like misinterpret which uh, ones can combine together. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting little puzzle. Yeah. Uh, time to continue rattling through because uh, I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave at least one. Uh, I'm gonna leave two of them to the end to like talk about in a bit more depth. Mm-hmm. Um, audition. It is among other things uh, basically an MP3 player for the playdate. If you <laughs> like the idea of being able to load a bunch of old MP uh, of MP3 files onto a device and have a offline mp3 player right this gives that functionality to the playdate not a thing i i see myself having a functional use for but i have like i have nostalgia for the the era of like putting music onto devices that weren't really designed to hold that music (laughs) um very specifically like holding the cassette recorder up to the rate at the speaker of the radio like in a rush to record songs Putting songs on the playdate has a similar vibe of, like, this shouldn't be containing music, but I kind (laughs) of like that it can. Um, Super Corporate Tax Evader. Yes. Real simple game, this. Mm -hmm. You are trying to shred uh, shred, uh, documents in in the back room of an office, Mm -hmm. and you can hear an IRS agent talking to your boss on the other side of the door. This is the IRS agent red light, green light thing. Basically, yeah. Uh, you gotta you got to crank the handle as fast as you can to um, uh, uh, shred all the documents mm-hmm. and keep an eye on the conversation. And when you think, oh, that the, either a pa- like there was a pause in the conversation or something you said clued me in, uh, you've got to not only stop cranking, but you've got to put the crank back inside the dock, inside its like little cu- uh, magnetic cubby hole. Now, is this the first time we've seen that mechanic in a, in, is, in a Playdate game? It's the first time I've seen a Playdate game use... Whether your crank is docked or undocked as a gameplay mechanic, oh. I've seen games that recognize it because they're like, you need to use the crank to play the game. We won't let you hit the start button until you've uncranked uh, un- it. Your crank. But this is the first time that like it's been used as a gameplay mechanic, and I think it works really well because like the the core idea is 
it's not just enough to realize all oh, the IRS person's coming and and like freeze and stop. You have to fumble to get this thing into its correct slot really quickly, and that sort of like physical fumbling hmm. feels really, really smartly designed for the uh, control scheme on offer. Uh, last couple to quickly rattle through. Game Kid is a Game Boy emulator for Playdate. Huh. Uh, it, it is not perfect, it is a work in progress, but I was able to get, like, I would say, like, 80% like game speed Game Boy games. Okay. Running off ROMs on the thing. Like, it, it was it was playable, it was a good proof of concept, I'm curious if it will continue to progress. Uh, Playtris, it's Tetris, but on the Playdate, it's pretty nice. It's a pretty nice Playday conversion. Nice. One bit Pac-Man. It's a pretty <laughs> nice port of Pac-Man. Okay. Uh, this this has been a lot of this week is going like, there is a lot of like pretty good quality ports of things you know that are just like out there. Hmm. Uh, and the last one, Word 8, which is Wordle, the uh, word game of like guessing the word yeah. and all oh, those letters are the wrong, wrong oh, place. That one's the whatever. yellow one. That one's the it's, green It's one. that. But for for the for the play date and not official, so it's not supporting the New York Times, which is good. Um, I do like that it uses the official word word list and updates and whatnot, so that like it is. Hey, do you just want to play that but not support the New York Times? And I'm like, that's yeah, I'll take that. Take a little daily word puzzle. Uh, I've got a couple of other ones, but I will talk about them separately because they're a little more in-depth. Uh, what about you? Have you played anything else this week? Yes, we played some of the new uh, Tapestry expansion. Or we, we played Tapestry with the new expansion. Uh, yes, we did. We did. So this is the Fantasies and Futures expansion. Hmm. Which, um... So this is a bunch of new um, civilizations and a bunch of new... Um, Advanced player boards. You played with the polar region, was it? Yeah, yeah. So that, um, and you also get a bunch of new, uh, uh what do you call them? The technology cards. Oh, yes. And I think yes. there, there was at least like a few dozen, uh, tapestry cards in there as well. So th- we've talked about this a few times recently. It's a game of, of trying to run yourself up various different, um, uh, tracks culture, around culture a, tracks culture tracks around a board of like yeah. uh science or exploration military technology and arts and arts and um that sort of stuff uh around there and you've also got like a board in the middle which is almost a um area control type thing so there's lots of different ways you can go about playing this game and we've we've played it lots of different ways before we played it Almost exclusively two-player, I think. Possibly exclusively two-player. I think so. I don't think we've ever played it in more than two yet. This is the first time we've played with the uh, Shadow um, Empire oh. Automa variant. Yes, the sort of automated... Um, get-in-the-way device. Yes, it's it's one of those like, hey, you, you don't get to just pl- go, I want to do this, and the other player goes, okay, I guess I'll do something different to not, you know, compete with you. Yes. This is like, no, 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 I'm going to be everywhere and I'm going to get in the way mm-hmm. and force you to have to actually compete somewhat yes, for things. Yes, because otherwise the buildings you want might not be there when you when you next come around. Because yeah. in, in two-player it is, it is all too easy to specialise into what the other person hasn't specialised into yes. just so that you sort of... Play your own quiet little engine builder without anyone else's uh, disruption. Yeah, and I, I think that 
that's a really interesting uh, variant. Finally, we know the game well enough to to try that out. And that Autimer is not difficult to run. Oh, it's yeah. grab two cards, read the two cards, the two cards will tell you which track the thing wants to go up, and if it gets to a landmark, it takes the landmark. It doesn't score any points for them, it doesn't have any points, it doesn't yeah. have any income to speak of, you don't have to worry about that. Like, there is a proper Automa that plays as a as a whole extra person, but the, this is just a, hey, two players, do you want to add a little bit more? Yeah. little bit more... Um, do you want just a little extra pressure so that that thing you're after won't be around forever? Yes. Even less guarantee that it'll come back around to you, which is which is a really nice idea. Uh, so yeah, the new expansion added, as I say, a bunch of new factions. You were playing as the artificers. Yeah. So the thing that the artificers do is they make it easier for you to go up your like your tracks that give you sort of like at the start of each age your little bonuses. Yes, um, your little uh, income buildings. Yeah, you've got little income buildings that are covering various rewards, and by building those buildings regularly in the game, you uncover the reward underneath them. Mm-hmm. The Artificer's whole deal is uh, every time a new age starts, you can either just take one of those buildings off the board entirely, like you don't get to put it on your, your board, but you do get to uncover what's beneath it, mm-hmm. or you get to move one of those little buildings once uh, you get to move them to the left, Mm-hmm. which will cover up one reward but uncover a different one. Yes. And then right at the end, you can pick one of those tracks to just shove everything to the left and completely change what is revealed. Um, mm. Basically, it's a way of speeding up your access to things like uh, more resources to spend during the ages or uh, some of the higher, harder-to-get um, point rewards, things like that. Yes, because you had the option of just shoving everything to the left and going, okay, now I have access to the 15-point reward at the end of my board. Yes, it, it's, it was useful for um, basically just like g- getting myself access to the things I needed a little sooner at the, at the cost of a little bit of trade-off, but really not that much. Mm. Uh, what was the the faction you were playing as? Called? I was playing as the Illuminati. Oh yes. Uh, yes. So I got to put all of the dice on my uh, faction board, and then at the uh, any time I wanted to use the dice, I just pick them up, use them, and pop them back on the board. But any time anybody else wants to use them, well, they're gonna um, basically give me give me a little little bit of uh, extra bonus. So if you roll. The conquest dice, the two conquest dice, I get to the rewards from both of them. Which, I, get, I just get to keep that. Yeah, even the, even the person who's had to go out their way to go up a track doesn't get both rewards. They only get one, but you just get to both for free. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and the other thing is, uh, if you roll the um, is it the tech the, the science dice? Is that what it's I think called? it's the science? Well, you get it from the science track, and basically yeah. you roll it. Depending on which expansions you're using, it's either a D12 or a D20, and it will basically tell you a track you can go up. Yeah. And uh, basically, with the Illuminati, if somebody else rolls it, you can have the option of going up that track, but not getting either the bonus or the benefit for it. So you wouldn't be able to get anything, but it might well, save you, you might a be able couple to get of... Bu- a building, for example, if you're in the right position for that. I don't even think you can get the building from it. Can you not? I, don't I assumed so. you could. Yeah, it's it's not. That is probably the weakest aspect of, of that. Yeah, but the old, the the bad thing from your point of view was oh. for each dice left on the board, uh, the um, 
that player gets what was it uh, six, six, six victory, victory points, points per, per age of the game per dice not used. Yes, so like fairly easily to just do a conquest, and that's immediately twelve points wiped off of yeah. that possibility. But it it forced me to focus on specific tracks that I hadn't wouldn't necessarily otherwise have done so. Uh, with the penalty of if you don't focus on these tracks, this many points will just be handed over for free. Which was funny because the the alternative to that was your faction had the ability to shift everything down so you could get into the high victory, high scoring points. But like you were just constant, and I had no way of shutting that down. That was just yeah. your ability, and you were like, "No, I, never! You are never getting this bonus, look, not even I, once." Look, I I don't know it. it it it's get, get, letting you have the more than the amount of points for like the top end of one of the tracks every like potentially every age was a big trade off. It it it's not that I couldn't have chosen to do anything different, but I made the comparison at the time when we were playing that it's much like um someone using the Yu Gi Oh card Max C against you, mm-hmm. which is a card where every time uh, a player special summons their opponent gets to draw a, draw a card, and it's one of those. Yeah, no, technically I can still special summon, but I'm just going to be handing you a- advantage that I don't need to be handing you. Mm. And like, there's, there's no good move for me to make in this situation, because in both cases, I'm like, there's a b- big swing happening. Uh, it's that same feeling of, I don't know what is the, the optimal play here, uh, but I'm, I'm gonna pick a plan and stick with it. I mean, it served you very well. I think there was only like six points between us. We were pretty darn close. Yes, considering that we went into that last round and you were nearly one and a half times further around the board than me. <laughs> I was like, well, I guess I just haven't yeah. won anything so- here. Sometimes that's the way with tapestry, though. That so You'll seem massively far apart in points and it'll all sort of come together at the end. Yes, it required quite a lot of thought, though. Yeah. That sort of final turn crunch that... Uh, the tapestry is very good. <laughs> but yeah, really enjoyed the, the new expansion. You, as I said, played with the, uh, the polar, expo- uh, polar, uh, capital city board. Yes. Which meant that you had, rather than having to fill in a, a three by three section of a nine by nine grid, you had these little isobars traveling across yeah. your polar region that needed to be yeah. sort of filled in. I had to make to sure get- I, I covered all of the, like, station spaces on these little paths and yeah. yeah it was a different a very different way of playing but it was one that worked very well with focusing on getting all my little buildings out because a lot of it was just like the only this one space here needs to be covered to sort of get you that little reward uh, and that worked well for me yeah i think i think that seemed to be like a, a nice nice one it looked like it might have been quite difficult to do anything with like lots of big landmarks a little. I had to. Some of my my big landmarks. I had to station partially off off the map, but yes, it, it was manageable. It's good. Um, yeah. It looked like a fun one. My my one. I can't remember what they were called, but I had um, these Will o' the Wisps. Oh yes. And if I uh, if I if I built something too near the Will o' the Wisps or the reeds next to the Will o' the Wisps, if I built a landmark on them, then I would lose like six points at the end of the game. Yeah. But if I um if I didn't I got points for every landmark that wasn't on one. It it was one of the more complicated um 
It was a lot to work out, and I wasn't sure yeah. I'd, I, I, I'd, I'd done it correctly. But um, yeah, I worked it sort of. It worked out quite well in the end because I'd managed to get quite a lot of buildings onto onto my board overall. So I think I worked. It, it kind of worked out in the end. Yeah, it was okay. Um, what about you? What have you played? Uh, I'm going to talk about a couple of other Playdate games do that it, I've do been it. playing. They're a little little bit more substantial. Um, Bloom is a really interesting one that I'm I'm super intrigued by. Mm. It is the most I have spent on a Playdate game uh, outside of that that uh, season of free stuff that came with it. It was mm-hmm. I think I think ten dollars. Okay. Um, Bloom is a game about uh, playing as a young girl who has dropped out of out of college uh, and is running a flower shop. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, living in the room above the flower shop, you are pl- like growing plants on the roof in a little allotment that will, over time, expand in size. You grow plants, you sell them, make a profit, buy more plants, uh, etc. There's no real pressure to it. I, I, I want to be clear that, like, the narrative I'm about to explain will sound like there is a ah you've got to you've got to make enough money to pay your bills before X date or anything like that. There's there's no pressure to it. It is a very casual experience. The gimmick to it is that it is a game designed to be played over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you can only really play little bits of daily uh, because it is meant to be very casual looks into the life of a person over time. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the plot is told through uh, text message exchanges. Um, uh, basically, once per day when you log in, uh, you open the game up, there will be some new text messages. Uh, if you skip playing the game for a day, it's not like you're going to miss out on content. Content from days you skipped will just sort of back up a little bit. Okay. Um, so you might like log in a few days later and get a few days' worth of texts. Uh you can you can sort of select responses to to have back and forth with people. It's more flavor than uh, branching a narrative, particularly. Okay. Um, but it's just a story told through texts with like a person who is suggested to be your girlfriend, I think, and uh, an old friend that you've fallen out of touch with, and your parents who still think you're going to school and you haven't told you've dropped out yet. Oopsie. Uh and. Uh, a little bit of story that, like, I think there are some deliberate parallels being drawn between I haven't told you I dropped out of school to be a gardener, and maybe I haven't told you parents that I'm gay. Seems like it might be a thing going on. Ah. Um, but this is all to this backdrop of just a very calm, gentle game about spend your money on flowers, go up to do the little crank to sort of uh, bring the elevator up to the roof. Plant your little plants, do the watering, Aww. dig them up the next day. Um, oh, now you've got this much money, do you spend it on more plants or do you spend it on uh, cleaning up and upgrading the roof garden a bit? Yeah. It's really charming. It sounds very cosy. It's very cosy and I was really not sh- sold on the game on day one because I think it is a it is a bold choice to charge $10 for a game that the first time you boot it up, Maybe 10, 15 minutes in, you're like, I, okay, I can't play any more of it today. Mm. And I have to hope that what comes in the week or so, week or two or three to follow, justifies that spend I've just made. Yes. It requires a lot of faith from the player. And I don't know whether I would have been 
willing to give it that chance, if not for the fact that, like, this game was consistently coming up in best games to sideload onto your playdate lists uh, that mm. I checked out. And I'm glad I gave it a chance. Uh, it's, it's really charming. Yay. Uh, the other one I want to talk about that's interesting is Core Fault, which is an attempt at making a vampire survivors like on Playdate. Okay. Um, it released literally, I think, six days ago at the time we're recording this, so it is super recently out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people are giving feedback in the in the comments on the itch.io page, and the developer seems very open to sort of making changes as time goes on. But the gist is that you are a little mining robot mm-hmm. um, trying to collect mining resources and uh, defeat enemies to not be stopped from your little mining quest. Yeah. Um, you use the crank to control the character mm-hmm. in that you are always moving forward, but which direction you are facing is controlled by rotating the crank. Okay. Uh, much like Vampire Survivors, you are always auto-attacking. You have various... Um, weapons that you can be using that have different attack patterns. A lot of them feel very much inspired by things that exist within Vampire Survivors. You've got like a static electricity bubble that's sort of like the garlic. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've got um, a pea shooter that sort of shoots in a straight straight line behind you or a gun that shoots in a straight line forward in front of you, sort of like the the daggers Mm -hmm. that shoot forward. Uh, you've got something that's a laser that has a very uh, clock lancet attack pattern. Okay. Um, what I will say is that I like the idea a lot. I think that some of the weapons definitely feel better balanced than others, and I hope that the developer does take that on board. I think that the faster um, starting... Uh, the weapons with a lower cooldown speed feel infinitely more usable right now, Um than some of the others. I feel mm-hmm. like the some of the weapons have just like too big of a cooldown to be feasible even in the early levels. Right. Um and like that's the kind of thing that can be, you know, balanced out through time. Uh much like Vampire Survivors, between runs you can sort of purchase permanent upgrades to sort of help your build. Mm-hmm. Here, um every time you're in a stage there will be a limited number of like little clusters of rock that if you do enough damage to them you get a little piece of ore and that's your sort of permanent upgrade currency um unlike vampire survivors that has like big uh essentially eternally scrolling levels Mm -hmm. um this has like much smaller self-contained stages right and the deal is that you are trying to kill a certain number of enemies uh, to fill up a meter, and then you can sort of press a button to go down to the next floor. Ah, yeah, um, And you are trying to get as many floors deep as you can in a limited time limit. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than the sort of 30 minutes of Vampire Survivors, here it is 10 minutes, uh, sort of characterized as your little mining robot's uh, battery battery life. Ah, um, so it's, yeah, it's it's a little bit shorter of a of a run length. Uh, there's a few... That cons- probably helps it not, the playdate not melt. Yeah, there's a few there's a few design decisions that clearly feel designed around the fact that, like, they want this to run at a decent frame rate on much weaker hardware. Yes. Um, things like, uh, while there are more than three weapons available, you can only have a maximum of three equipped in your build. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to pick up a new one, you have to unequip another one. Um, okay. And I, I I think that that works pretty well. There is some interesting options for trade-offs uh, within that limited uh, move set. One of the more interesting ones is 
There is a, something you can put in one of your weapon slots that doesn't do any damage to enemies, so you're basically going to have to work with only two weapons. Okay. But it's constantly producing little um, ore piles behind you as you go around. Okay. So it is making it much easier to generate locations for permanent upgrade materials, mm. but you have fewer attacks to keep yourself alive. Yes. Uh, which is an interesting trade-off. Uh, some really, there's some really fun um, soundtrack. There's some really uh, interesting enemy designs. It is very promising, and for I think it was six dollars, I already feel like I've gotten a decent amount out of it, and I feel positive that like even if this is all it ends up being, and it doesn't get any changes beyond this, mm-hmm. it will be something I will dip into for little little uh, bursts of fun. Yeah. But I really hope they stick with it because it's a really promising take on that kind of formula and I think it could be something really special Excellent. Um, so yeah that's some more Playdate games uh, did you play anything else this week? not really no uh, I will talk about one other thing very quickly I've started playing a game called Brock the Investigator oh yes it, he's, he's an alligator but he's an investigator uh, so this is a part point and click adventure part side scrolling beat em up Yes, it's the best got way to... real Indiana Jones Fate of, of, um, Fate of Atlantis vibes with the... Yeah. It's a point and click, and sometimes it just wants you to punch a Nazi. Yeah. Which I'm all for. Yeah, so you are playing as, like, an alligator person who uh, is basically trying to keep ends mi- uh, make ends meet, trying to uh, support his stepson, all while living in what is very clearly a sort of uh, techno-dystopia. Um, it is pretty heavy-handed on the the haves and have-nots imagery and sort of the uh, working class versus the sort of tech upper crust. True, some people can't even afford a name. Right, right, we'll get... Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, There is a lot I really like about this game, and in particular, I think it is really impressive from an accessibility perspective. Um, The main reason I checked this game out was because uh, this is a game that shipped with no accessibility settings and has, in a post-release patch added a really impressive suite of blind player-focused uh, accessibility settings. Mm-hmm. The game now has pretty damn robust audio descriptions. They are pretty good. Um, uh, a positional 3D audio, um, things like um, uh, high-contrast visuals, mm-hmm. uh, like a pretty well-thought-through uh, system of accessibility settings that, like... There are little nitpicks here and there uh, Mm -hmm. about how certain systems work, but it is a fantastic example of what can be retrofitted into a game that was not designed for it. And a really good example of the fact that uh, adventure games as a genre really could be doing some really impressive things. And like, it's a good milepost to aim for, for the, for the genre right now Mm. of what, what can be, if, if this game can retrofit this in, what could you do thinking about this from the start? Um, that being said, I have I have my quibbles about this game. Mm. I like the art style. I think it plays well. I think at times it has charming voice acting and writing. I also feel like there are some moments in this that are <sighs> reflective of a very outside view of some of the topics it wants to discuss, and it misses the mark in some places. Right. A really easy early example of this to talk about is there is a homeless man that you meet really early on in the game mm-hmm. who does not get a name. He is only referred to as Tramp. Uh, 
Not only that, the thing that annoys me most about that scene, the two rats that are beating him up that you don't have a proper conversation with, you see them like harassing him, you beat them up and they leave. Both of them get a name, but the man that you sit and have a lengthy conversation with about like um how how he ended up where he is does not get a name. And that's one of those things that's like I don't think this is a deliberate um, critique on dehumanization of homeless people. I think the uh, developer may have may, may have forgotten to, that that homeless people are humans with names. Like what? there's there's little things like this that feel it at times feels written. How do I put this? It at times feels like the game wants to touch on social issues that the writer didn't necessarily stop to do research on and maybe went, yeah, I feel like I get the gist of the thing. And I know that bad. Yeah. And like, don't get me wrong. Like the, the section with the homeless person, for example, by and large gets things right in terms of like, it's heart is in the, the, the scene's heart is in the right place. Yeah. It is clear that it was created by someone who understands homelessness bad. Um, if someone cannot afford a home, but also it is illegal for them not to have a home, that is a bad contradiction. Like, it understands some of the basic points, but also is like, it just misses the mark slightly in little weird ways. Mm. It's little things I have to caveat in what is otherwise an enjoyable uh, enjoyable title. It's, it's certainly not perfect, but it is interesting. Um... So that's Brock the Investigator. Oh. Uh, I think that's basically it for things we played this week. Well then, <gasps> time for this. Uh, minister, minister, if uh, if I could take a uh, spare moment of your time. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, well, um, well, I don't know if you've heard about this uh, concept of uh, getting rid of uh, daylight savings. Uh, I'm not so sure about that. If it's the thing we have now, why would we want to get rid of it? The thing's perfect now. Well, I understand. Obviously, it is a is a great British tradition to confuse. Uh, tradition, every... tradition, yes, 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 a great British tradition, great, uh, Brit- a, an great. institution. In oh, fact, yes, yes, yes. Uh, to you know, save the daylight time, yes, so yes, that yes, uh, yes. you know the the small people can can go about doing more things. Well, yeah, this is uh, Britain is always saving things. Is what the uh, is what the, uh, the the colonies was about. Oh, the, the saving things. Oh, ab abs. Mmm, 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 yeah, Well, I don't know if you've heard, but uh, of course, if you ended daylight savings for everyone, that would give you the perfect opportunity to start uh, saving your daylight in a little offshore account. Oh, oh I, I, can have, I can have more daylight. Well, you've, you've heard of offshore wind farms, yeah, right? Yes, well, yes, that's yes. where they store the wind. Well, what if you were storing the daylight? Oh, I could have it like could be a... you, and you could have just an oh oh a little, a little so- solar panels and sort of saving up in a battery or something. I, guess. Oh, I would so... imagine so. I mean, you're you're the, the expert here. I'm sure. I mean, oh, obviously, I, guess... I I know who my betters are. So maybe you know if if you wanted to really make out and and get the the oh really just 
get one over on everyone and and, and be way ahead of the curve on on, oh, well, on, well, on having well, the best you know, of everything. You know you how I to... feel about 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 uh, having things that I get to save and and other people have. Exactly, you get to keep to it away from everyone else. No That's one else. My sunshine that. now. Exactly. Oh, yeah, exactly. So exactly. Wonderful. And where better to keep it than you know in a small offshore account on say oh, on a, in a, oh. on a nice island somewhere. Oh, that sounds- Fantastic. Well, uh, so you'll you'll be agreeing to the consider it, consider it done. Consider it done. Excellent. Meow, meow, Mimi. Oh, 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 Smudge, you, you're using the buttons. Mimi. Oh, that's me. Yeah, hi, Smudge. Yeah, that's you. Stare corner. Meow. Oh. Oh, yeah, no, you do sometimes stare in the corner. Yeah, what's what's up with that? Smudge sees. What? Smudge sees something when she looks in the corner. Smudge sees. What What? What do you see? Across time, space. You see across time and space in the corner. Interdimensional. I really don't know why I gave you these buttons in particular. Interdimensional, okay. Smudge sees other side. What, what do you see on the other side? Hope. That's good. That's that's good, Smudge. Hope coming. I, I, I think that's still good. Hope coming soon. I... I have to believe that's correct, and I hope that hope is like the concept and not like someone's name that's coming soon. Okay, okay, Smudge. I'm just gonna have a little existential crisis here on the sofa. Smudge sees. Yeah, you do. So, <gasps> what have you put in your eyes? Uh, we put some things in our eyes we together did, this we did week. Eye putting. Yeah, we both watched the we we finished season one of The Last of Us. Yes, uh, I'm I'm curious about your thoughts, considering this is your sort of first time seeing that story all the way through. Um, as I said at the time, I feel like the last episode was the last interest, least interesting bit. But as you pointed out, that may be because I knew what was coming. Like I haven't played the game, but I know how it ends. Yeah, you you sort of you you've picked up some things through through cultural osmosis, and you asked me some questions at points, and I yeah. was like, yeah, I'll I'll tell you sort of. Like, I've what I've you want seen the uh, like clips yeah. from the video game ending, so yeah. like I knew what was coming. As as I said it to you, to you at the time, I think that like that that ending. Mm, to understand why that ending was so impactful at the time when it released, like you've got to think in the frame of what games were doing in what was it, 2012? Um, so like a, basically a decade, maybe a little longer ago now. Um, to have a game that ended on a um, a series of characters having an awkward conversation where it's unclear who believes what where there is deliberate ambiguity, where there is a lack of closure, where there is an uncomfortable tension you have to sit with, mm. was just not the done thing in video games. I mean, it's not and, done in lots of people. Yeah, and I think that, that it is still... There is still something to be said for it is a a strong narrative choice for a thing that was written... Like, there was not a plan for it to definitively have a sequel when it was written. Yes. And I think that in that context, it is a very brave ending to write. Mm-hmm. And 
I I think it leads to a lot of interesting conversations or a lot of like room for people to chat about things and I always appreciate an ending like that even if it's like not the most interesting part of that story. Yeah. Oh, that's fair. Um I like I enjoy, I enjoy the series as a whole. I enjoyed a lot of the individual episodes a huge amount. I just I think it was beautifully shot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've heard people complaining about it already. <laughs> but, like, obviously they have different context to me and, and obviously attachments to the, to the game in various, games in various ways. Um, you've talked about how you feel that the, the series I... was a bit more setting up for, yeah. for the, the part two. I, I think that there is definitely some design choices that feel built with we know what the continuation of this story is and what we need to build towards and what we need to reinforce. And, you know, not every choice they've made is is perfect in that regard, but I understand why they're doing them. And I, th- I think that they will probably help smooth that transition into hmm. season two a bit. I think to, to me, it felt like we'd heard a lot about Joel's past. Yeah. And this was like, what could happen if... If he didn't have anything to lose and sort of reverted to that. Yes. And yeah, I, I I will say that I, for the most part, I largely think that the changes from the game story are to the betterment of this story. Mm. I think that this is a better telling of the story than the game. I think that I've I've seen people complain about the lack of infected on screen, and I get that, and uh, apparently season two will have more of that content, but I also feel like there was enough of them to show the threat and to set up why Ellie as a cure was important. Yeah. And I think beyond that, that that's really the point that it, like is the emotional core of where it's building to, and I think they paid that off well. Yeah. So um but yeah. I I definitely think it is one of the better video game to um, live action adaptations there has ever been. Yeah, it is. It is a real good ad- adapting of a story. I think it helped that it was a, a series rather than a film. Agree. Because I think a lot of the problem with most media they try and make into films is yeah. like we're going to fit this into ninety to one hundred and twenty minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's maybe what an eight hour experience I at mean, best. As proven by episode three, you can take something that didn't even happen in the game and make it into a beautiful 90 minute story. Yeah. Trying to fit the whole game into a 90 minute story, you're going to have to cut corners. I think that is very often a problem with trying to make any kind of conversion. Yeah. Uh, to, to, a, to a big screen thing. So, like, I think they, they did a good job. I really enjoyed it. Cried an awful lot. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't expecting to cry as much. Yeah. 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 Uh, what about you? What have you watched this week? Uh, I watched a, a lovely little uh, D&D. Well, not D&D. A tabletop role-playing with uh, the Oxventure crew. Yeah. And special guest, guest Grant Howitt. Uh, yeah. uh, they did uh, a game called uh, Tea Time Adventures. Is this the one that Ellen uh, DM'd? Yes, yes. I've not, I've not got around to seeing this yet, but I saw that Ellen had DM'd, uh, had DM'd a, uh, a one shot. Uh, I think she did an excellent job for for a first timer. 
Uh, especially when you have someone as chaotic as Grant. Yes. Um, I'd like, I obviously know of his one page one shots. So I don't think I've ever seen or heard him speak. I mean, look, the kind of person who would create uh, such one shots as um, uh, Crash Pandas. Yes. Uh, the game about th- three raccoons trying to drive a street racing car. Yeah. Um, is a person I would expect to be a little chaotic if I had them as a player in my game. But, it, but in a fun way. Right. Like, it didn't feel derailing. Yeah. It just felt like, oh, yes, I'm I'm this character and I'm fully going to uh, inhabit them in every way. And, um, yeah, it was, it was very lovely, very cosy. They tried to get some hot dogs. There was a big dog. And uh, they helped help the whole town out yeah. in many ways. And in it's just very delightful and cosy and low stakes. And but but uh, everyone wants 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 to try the hot dogs. <laughs> and um, yeah, I I I don't want to spoil too much, but it it is delightful. It's like an hour and a half long. And um, yeah, Jane 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 seemed to be having fun. Mike had fun. Yeah. And and <laughs> Grant was a, a ridiculous. Southern elder, older Southern Bell type character, <laughs> um, <laughs> who kept trying to flirt with people, but but in a sort of delighted way, yeah. uh, and you know was was um, I I would be curious to see him play more games. Yeah. Uh, what about you? What have you watched? Uh, the only other thing I really watched was um, actually no, there's there's a couple of things. I watched a, uh, a developer documentary on YouTube called Making a Vampire Survivors Like Game for the Playdate, featuring oh. Dave Makes, uh, by uh, Squid God on YouTube, um, who I believe is the person that I was learning Pulp Script um, Playdate tutorials from when I was messing around with learning how to make Playdate games. This is the person that made, um, or one of the, the pair of people that made Core Fault. The oh, Vampire Survivors, like on Playdate, I was just talking about. Yeah, I watched like an hour-long, interesting little documentary on the process of making that game and yeah. how it came together, and it was an interesting little, uh, interesting little video that like I feel like I learned a lot from. Oh. Uh, what about you? You watched anything else? I watched a forty-one-minute video on the uh, Dylan Hollis cooking channel. Okay. You know Dylan Hollis who does the TikToks of Oh is this like, the um old old timey recipes? Yes. Um in a sort of very br- br- prim and proper voice. I sort of he, he, I, yeah. he enunciates very well. Very enough. Yes, yes, that's a good way to put it. Eggies <laughs> Miller. Uh yeah, this was rather than the sort of super fast paced um TikTok style, this was a a, a long form YouTube video, occasionally he has done these things, and this was about a, a, a mystery dessert from 1909 called Food for the Gods. Ooh! And so he collects, uh, like, ancient cookbooks. Yeah. Really old cookbooks. And the, apparently the thing with old cookbooks is the, like, the measurements are really fucking weird. The yeah. instructions are very vague. <laughs> um... There's things like, oh yes, just just put in a a, um, a slow oven. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> no, I want a slow oven. Just tell me how hot the fucking oven should be. Uh, but apparently there are like understandings of what that should mean and so <laughs> forth. And and this thing was like 
egg whites and dates and walnuts and no flour whatsoever. A little bit of baking powder for some reason. It it was it seemed quite a vague recipe, and the first cooking was just this weird soggy mess at the bottom with an almost like meringue top. And over the course of this forty minutes, he cooks like five different versions of this, based on various different recipes throughout the ages, and then finally one that he's built himself, trying to capture a lot of the the, the vibe from the original recipe that he found from the the rest nineteen oh nine recipe book, while also capturing sort of elements that were like later understood uh, that made a more recognizable as food recipe <laughs> uh, because there, there were a couple in there that were just like this is what w- what what is this I, I do like it when my recipes are recognizable as food so, and and in, at one point he goes like looking for internet recipes for this same mm. dessert. And there's some of them do look pretty awful, and and like talking about how the recipe has lots of very similar things in in like lots of different iterations of it. There seem to be like a lot of commonality of this thing, and then talking about the history of uh, the the way recipes are written, why they were written the way they were. Whereas today a recipe might be very specifically, you get this and this and this and this and this. And older recipes might be, add some dried fruit. Yes, I imagine part of this is availability of specifics and... It's availability of specifics and what you have. Because older recipes tend to more be about providing sustenance than, oh yes, I specifically wanted to make the thing. And I wanted to make it exactly the way it was. Yes, this is the spirit of the of the dish, and a guideline that will get you sort of in the ballpark. Yeah, you've said dates. Maybe we could add chopped right topped apricots instead. Yeah. But if you just said dried fruit, then I guess you could put any old dried fruit in there. Yeah, and work it out from there. Like the first recipe talked about um, cracker crumbs. Mmm. And there was a whole thing of like, okay, well, these. Crackers would have been available at the time. We could be talking about, like, um, graham crackers. Yeah. But we could also be talking about saltines. Like yeah. those water biscuit things covered in salt. And then, like, going further through history and finding some recipes that very specifically say graham crackers. And some recipes that, are, like, a couple of recipes that are like, yeah, this is like saltine crumbs. Like But again, I imagine part of that is when the original recipe is very vague, um, some families will make it one way and some will make it the other, and then like if that if you grew up with one variant, you'll go, but that's how it's done, and then you codify that into being the done way. Exactly. And if you're passing recipes down through a family as is as is often the way, uh, then then that, the way that changes things. And it was it was a fascinating watch in in on so many more levels than just this is a weird dessert. Yeah, it is badly written. It sounds like uh, this was a this is a launching pad for a very interesting set of discussions. Yeah, and also like when he's not trying to do a TikTok to the original like time limits. Yeah, it's quite like a soothing little cozy. Hey, I'm gonna 
chat about various things and the accessibility of cooking. Because he, d- he very often talks about, like, I'm not going to tell you to get a stand mixer for this. You, yeah. can, you can do it yourself. Because I don't want cooking to be blocked off by, oh, you don't have this fancy piece of equipment. Yeah, exactly. It costs four hundred dollars. No, no, you can just you can just do it. You yeah. can stir it. You can get your hands in there and knead it. Whatever needs doing, it'll be okay. If you are able to do these things, then that is about as accessible as we can make it. If you have the fancy equipment, that will probably work just fine too. Yeah, I I, I really enjoy it and enjoyed that. What about you? What else have you watched? Ah, uh, we watched the. Finale question mark for season five. I feel like you've got way more into the question mark than... Uh, The question mark has been rattling (laughs) me this week. We'll get to that in a second. But in theory, the finale of season five of Game Changer, which is, we've talked about it before, it's on Dropout. It is a uh, game show where every... Every episode, there's the game is different. The game is different. The rules are different. It Uh, might be a musical one week. It might be a test of how... Well, you can maintain your heart uh, heart rate. Yeah, uh, the season finale was an uh, un- unannounced escape room puzzle. Yes, which felt a bit wrong. I maybe I I I've yet to watch the behind the scenes. I have to assume that there is some degree of of checking things were okay. Um, but the general gist was. In the existing space that they have, the the the, the dropout uh, studio space that is the, is the green room, they managed to retrofit a very well thought through escape room yep. into the existing space. Yes, um, and I am like kind of blown away at how smart of a escape room setup they were able to create in not a bespoke space. Yes, I would be curious to. That's my main reason for wanting to see the behind the scenes because, yeah. firstly, I don't really know what that room looked like beforehand, but mm-hmm. I, I know at a couple of points Sam's like, "Oh yeah, that fire extingu- fire alarm wasn't there uh, the day before." Yeah, and I think they talked about some of the art on the walls being um, specific for it. Yes, yeah, so there's... which obviously made sense given yeah. later puzzles. Involving. But again, something that like w- no one would bat an eyelid at seeing until you realise it's a puzzle solution and. <gasps> They, they've built magnets into the puzzle, into the picture frames, yeah. and uh, there's a secret hidden room in the green room that was wallpapered over. The hidden room was just like, how do you hide that? I guess you re-wallpaper the room to wallpaper over a hidden wall. I, I don't like that. Like that space didn't appear to have any other exit, I, so it's like, did they build the false false wall? I don't know. Did, did that exist behind there as just yeah. a cavity beforehand? Um, the 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 room that was openable presumably already with a paperclip. Um, yep. And the, or did they change the handles on that door? Possibly. Um, I'm very impressed at how well they pulled off what I assume has to has to have been a. While the escape room players are distracted by something new to explore and look at and and be focused on, sneaking a person into the escape room unnoticed to pull off a, uh, a, a, a to pull to pull something off. Yes. Um. Yes. The 
the degree of like of of we know when it's it's the magic trick thing it's i know you're looking at my hands right now therefore you won't notice what i'm doing yes. over here uh was superbly handled oh yeah and the theming and the oh this has been the plan this has been the plan the whole time yeah. of it all um it was a real good episode it was it was fascinating that the the thing with the the remote control car oh yes yeah that that whole thing was hilarious yeah um so to very quickly touch on um <laughs> I I had seen some speculation before this episode went up that this wasn't going to be the season finale. No. And uh, since it aired, um, Sam Reich, the host of Game Changer, has been really leaning into oh 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 oh, there's something more coming. Yes, and the, like every time they talk about the final asterisk yeah, episode, the, I got an email today from Dropout being like, "Here's the new stuff up this week, including." Uh, the Game Changer Season 5 finale. Asterisk. Finale? Why would we put an asterisk next to finale? Yeah. Um, yes. It, the piece Sam of... Sam uploading the, uh, the cover image for the season. Yeah. Uh, and in high res. Yeah, he's got a, tri- he's got a card up his sleeve and it says 13 and no one's quite sure what it, it means. Mm. But I hope it means there's more coming this season because Game Changers has been really... Game Changers is great. Oh, yeah. It is... And I, I really like how well it has spun off other shows on Dropout. Like, that it yeah, has yeah. led to, say, um, Make Some Noise. Yep. Um, uh, I forget the name of the improv uh, improv musicals. Um, play It By Ear? Play It By Ear. Yeah. It's it's led to some interesting spin-offs, and it's been a really good test bed for what is a fun format that we could do on a recurring yeah. basis. It's a great show. Yeah. It's, it's one of my favourite things on Dropout. Yeah. Um, what about you? You watch anything else this week? Not really, no. Uh, not really for me either. Well then, <gasps> time for this. Laura, Laura, we've got a new sponsor. <gasps> Who's our new sponsor? Well, do you sometimes have aches? Yeah, I sometimes s- have aches. Sometimes have pains. I do sometimes have pains. Do you sometimes have a little bit of a wobble? Yeah, sometimes I'm like, oh, I've got a bit of an iffy tummy, but like, I don't, I, just like a little bit. But the question is, is that just something you ain't? I mean, maybe. Is that normal aging? Uh, I mean, are my bones just getting old, maybe? Is that that old injury you suffered just having a bit of a bit of a flare-up oh, in is, weather is, of some yeah, sort? Yeah, a 16-year-old motorcycle injury will play up in the cold, maybe. Or is it time you went to the CGP? I mean, I'd really rather, like, know up front whether it's time to go to the GP, because I don't want to go to the GP and find out it's nothing, or go to the GP and find out it's, like, a lot. I mean, especially considering how long it takes to get an appointment in the UK, and if you're not in the UK, maybe you're somewhere that doesn't have a a health service such as ours, and, you know, that could be thousands of dollars. If only there was a way to know whether this is a normal part of having a body or something I should worry about. Well, no, is that normal? (gasps) Well, check out isthatnormal.lel.net. It's a little handheld scanner. You just point it at the general ache or pain or discomfort, and it'll tell you if that's just normal body stuff or passing intermittent body stuff that just needs a little bit of time to go away, or if you need to get yourself to a medical professional ASAP. Ah, oh, so, so convenient. Let's have a look, right? Beep. Nope, my knees are just fucked. 
See? Yeah. It's right there. It's the meningitis. Yeah. That's, and, that's and, just and, like normal for someone who had meningitis. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's try the ankle. Boop. Ah, now that is my motorcycle-based accident. Ah. Uh, that just never really healed We've properly. all got one. We've all got one. Anyone who's been on a two-wheeled vehicle, bound to be fucked in some manner. Uh, well, 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 let's, let's try on you. Boop. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably... Probably go and get that checked out. Probably get that one checked out. Probably get that one checked out. I don't think that's meant to be that colour. No, I mean, I've been saying that for weeks, but you were like, no, it's just fine. It's probably fine, but no, apparently... Well, now we have an independent button scanner. I mean, look, the button does say it's not normal. I should probably go to a GP about that one. That's isthatnormal.lol.net. Enter the code QNPS252, and you, 250U, can get 25% off... Of your first scanner. Inside the boardroom of Supremacy Software. Hi. Hi. So, uh, I've had an idea. Great. Let's hear it. I I don't know how I haven't thought of it before, and I'm, um... Look, I'm afraid I may have come up with something too powerful. Too powerful? Yeah, I'm afraid that... Number go all the way up. I'm afraid that, like, this might be... I don't know how we make number go up after this, because this will make the number go as high as possible. So we break the number, finally. Yeah, I think we might finally break the number. Um, Yeah, You know, we have those very popular games about collecting creatures. Oh, yeah, yeah. All all the creatures and... Creatures that live in your pocket. Pocket creatures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, you train them and you fight them. It's like, you know, cockfighting, which we're, you know, obviously big fans of. And yeah, well, yeah, uh, and we've we've spent years getting people emotionally invested in like the thousand plus of these things. Oh hell yeah, yeah. I don't know how we never thought of this. Right, we could be making them all into NFTs. We we can we can surely have, have we? No, we've never we've never oh. put NFTs in those. But, but it seems so perfect for NFTs, right? It seems like the kind of thing we. Must have definitely done a no, we How has this never we've happened? Somehow, yeah, this is the, the... You see why I'm suddenly realizing we might break the, the graph. We've... Number go so yeah, far up. If if we... Uh, I, look, I, I suddenly realized we could just, like, hire some NFT person and go, your job is to put NFT tech into, you know, our next um, the creature collector. Creatures. Yeah. So um, like the blockchain. Yeah, if you want to uh capture that uh that cute electric uh rabbit, right. you're going to have to uh in order to throw a pocket ball at them, right. you're going to have to mint that pocket ball on right. the blockchain. Right. And then you, to throw the pocket ball to see if you catch it, you're going to have to pay the gas fees on your right. Uh, right. on yeah, your yeah, yeah. your Ethereum and then uh, percentage chance to see whether you catch it, and if you don't catch it, unfortunately that NFT has failed, you're gonna have to mint another, uh, pocket ball and, right, uh, pay the right. gas fees again. But then when you eventually catch it, uh, you then have an NFT on the blockchain of that creature. Right. Like, I, I reckon we can, we can nickel and dime them for every individual, uh, pocket ball they want to throw. To try and capture these things. And then we can be like, no, 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 that is your very specific one. Only you own that creature. Uh, uh, you know, 
maybe make uh you know maybe maybe make special pocket balls that give better rates of shiny uh pocket creatures for example shiny balls yeah yeah exactly because we can do that because they're uh, you know they're an ft they're nfts yeah i i feel like we have a money printing machine right here i i i'm so glad it's yeah. about time because we deserve a money printing machine, right? Exactly. The the one I tried to build myself, I did get in some trouble for. But yeah, we legal deserve, had words with us about. But that. we do deserve one though, right? Right. And as long as none of the people who play the game realize what we're doing and uh, catch wind of this, I think we're going to make a lot of money. You are a fucking genius. I know. So. Huh. What have you put in your ears, My Chemical Romance? I've put a lot of My Chemical Romance in my ears. Yeah. Come on, come on, phone, obey me so I can get my list up. Here Ooh. it is. Um, So I listened to a bunch of My Chemical Romance this uh, this week because I'm just on one of those weeks where I'm like, I don't want anything new. I just want the stuff I know already. As, um, as is only yeah. right. Uh, but very specifically, I was in the mood for like... Some of the, the, the B-sides and the demos and the, the like the, the off-the-beaten-track MCR stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I listened to the really nice, um, uh, one of the, the nicer recordings of the live 2022 performance of Sister to Sleep, mm-hmm. um, which I got onto because YouTube recommended me a video called My Chemical Romance Just Exposed This Lost Song by Andy Negative that was sort of a history of um, what happened to Sister to Sleep, and it was recorded before they played it live again in 2022, which is an interesting thing mm. to see. Uh, but I also listened to Stay, brackets, Someone Out There Loves You, brackets, Untitled Song. Uh, I, if you forced me to say a favourite My Chemical Romance song, it might be that one. It is one of my favourite things they've ever recorded, and I'm so glad that for a song that only exists as a live recording, that it is such a crystal clear recording, that oh. it is, like, it, it is really not that far off of a studio recording and i i can live with that such a such a beautiful track and it's 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 exactly what i really like out of mcr uh i went back and listened to foundations of decay and just had a had a proper little belt out to that love that uh kill all your friends which uh again it's one of those tracks that i understand why it didn't make the album with the black parade but like it tonally feels like a Black Parade track. Mm. It's it feels like it would have nestled really well into that album and yeah. it's it is real fun. Um I listened to some of the demos that were off of the um uh made uh, Death Nether Stop You 10th anniversary re-release uh some of those demos. Mm-hmm. In particular Emily Love, love that, love that track very much. Um, real, real neat. Uh, Fake Your Death, uh, the last track they did before, before the breakup. Uh, Surrender the Night, which is maybe my favorite track off of Conventional Weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's so good. Uh, and then I listened to a very, very new bit of recording of MCR, oh. which is the day before we recorded this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the rec- so it was in Australia. I think it was like five or six hours before this podcast recorded that it uh, it happened. There was a live acapella, just just vocal only live performance of Cemetery Drive mm-hmm. uh, that apparently occurred 
because some fan bumped into Jared Way and asked whether Cemetery Drive would be played at the show that night. And Jared was like, well, I haven't, we, we haven't practiced it, but I mean, I know the words. So we just opened the encore with just, just his voice and nothing else doing Cemetery Drive. And it was really, it's really beautiful. Yeah. Um, and then last, uh, and this is kind of a slight tangent. I found a really good cover of Sister to Sleep um, on YouTube. Um, so the video is called Sister to Sleep, My Chemical Romance Studio Cover by Wasting Pain. Um, it, the singer is not like a one-to-one voice alike of Jared Way, but like gets a lot of the intonations and the sort of like ways that Jared Way like uses his voice mm-hmm. are replicated pretty well. Uh, and it seems to get the words pretty accurate from the recordings we have available. Yeah. Uh, the sound of the, the recording is crystal clear. It is very, very, it feels very faithful to the recordings we have of that track that's out there. Mm. Uh, like I wasn't sold on the vocals, like in the first few seconds, but like by the end of it, I was like, you know what? Totally willing to listen to this. This is, it, it's not my comic romance, but it's a, damn good approximation and that might be the best we get for a while so i would really recommend listening to wasting pains cover of sister to sleep it's real good what about you what have you listened to this week oh my goodness well i was recommended something today and i was like you know what i'll give that a try and then i was like oh it's metal better do the check and i did the (laughs) check and i was like well the problem is A band called Gnome <laughs> yeah. is is not the easiest to search for anything. No, no, I can I can see that. But I did the I did the check. You did your best cursory I did, search. I did my best check. I did the, the all all the bad keywords that they might have done, including just controversy. Always a good one. Yeah. Couldn't find anything that wasn't involving <laughs> Linux. I was gonna say, I'm now just giggling at the thought of gnome controversy. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's uh, yeah. That was that, that that was a fun five minutes of, of trying to find some gnome controversy. Yeah, uh, I tried gnome band controversy. But yeah, there's a band called- gnome controversy just brought up a lot of this naked gnome. This this gnome was ordered to cover up because oh. although the neighbours didn't complain, the city said it was too risque. <gasps> Don't make the gnome cover up. Free the gnome. Free the gnome pole. <laughs> um, so the uh, first track I I uh, that that pulled me in, and gosh, YouTube, uh, the algorithm apparently knows me well, because <laughs> the track was called Kraken Wanker. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> the only line in that entire song is right at the beginning. <laughs> it says Kraken Wanker. And then it's like a four-minute instrumental. Was this the one where I saw just a man dressed as a gnome dancing around? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> do you want some? Do you want some weird Belgian stoner metal performed by nerdy-looking guys dressed as lawn ornaments? Most I do of the want time? this. I do want this very much. This sounds delightful. Um. So that got me listening to uh, basically the rest of this album. The album is called King, and it is. As far as I can tell, it's sort of a, a musical journey that's trying to tell a story about a tyrant king attacking the gnomes. Oh no! Maybe. Oh no! Oh no! And uh, yeah, so 
I did have to go and do a little bit of history uh, to try and find out if this was a reference to something specific. Uh, so I guess I know a little bit more about the Good King Wenceslas of Good King Wenceslas fame. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, not to be confused with the other King Wenceslas, who wasn't particularly good at all. Um, but not nasty King Wenceslas. Not nasty, but more pacifist King Wen- Wenceslas, who didn't even argue when they were like, "We're gonna have to kill you now." Oh, okay then. That makes sense. Sorry. Um, yeah, and then like weird battles that are mentioned in the in the the sagas, but are also might have happened. And apparently, history has flip flopped on this for about one thousand two hundred years. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so, y- yeah, make of their titles what you will. Possibly more historically accurate than me looking it up on Wikipedia. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's mostly instrumental stuff, very few lyrics, and it's just good to shuffle around. I suppose if you don't say much, it's difficult to be controversial. Yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> yeah, it's like good metal to just thrash around a bit too. Yeah. And, uh, or, or just shuffle to, or dress as a gnome and... Do a silly little dance in a... Who doesn't want to do a silly, a silly little dance dressed as a gnome? Right. But, uh, yeah, so that, that was gnome. Uh, no. Well, what about you? What about you? What you uh, honestly, that's about it for me. That's about it for you. Other than finding a good, interesting cover of Sister to Sleep and that acapella recording of Cemetery Drive, it's just been old. A bit, like, a lot of just the more obscure MCR tracks. Oh. Yeah. Um... I listened to a new Father Funk track that came out today. Uh, it's called Legend of the Rent, and it is a really squelchy drum and bass track using um, Jack Black's freestyling his his song, The Legend of the Rent, in School of Rock. Ah, uh, yes, The Legend of the Rent was way past due. Yeah. And it's basically just that bit with <laughs> drum and bass and some dirty, dirty squelchy bass over the top of it, as as his father Funkies want to do. But um, yeah, that was that was pretty much all I've listened to. Well then, time for this. I think I've broken. I think I've broken broken Spotify. Oh god, is it the electric six thing again? No, it's not the Electric Six thing again. Uh, it has at least given up on recommending me that one song over and over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so uh, anything to be concerned about? Well, it's called that feature where like, every week it recommends me some new music. Oh yeah, it's great for you know, picking up you know, new yeah. tunes, I mean, it's, new it's, things you might be into. It's been the main way that I've found like, new things to listen to for a while, but... So here's the thing, it's stopped recommending me new music. I'd, right. And like, I don't know if it's a bug or so. I, I, initially I thought it might be a bug, but it's just come up with like an error message that goes, there's no more music you'll like. None. Just listen to stuff you like. And it gave me an, uh, a My Chemical Romance playlist. Right. I, Is this like, because you keep, you know, having the days where you just want to listen to same music and I mean, you like, listen to you MCR? Know, it, it might... One MCR track for like eight hours at a time. It might be, look, maybe something to do with the fact that I'll listen to new pieces of music like once and then just go back to MCR. But like, surely there's got to be still some music out there that I haven't heard that I would like. But no, I keep refreshing the page and it just keeps going. I don't know what you're expecting. You like My Chemical Romance, just give in. Oh, wow, it really does just say that, huh? Yeah, it's, it's getting I bigger. I thought you it's... were being hyperbolic no, there. No, no, the, the, the box is getting bigger. 
Like, it just keeps getting bigger every time I try and refresh it. It's just... Yeah, that really is just MCR left, huh? I mean, look, who am I to complain with the algorithm if that's what it says? Well, indeed, that's what the algorithm says. If the algorithm has decided it, I guess it's okay for me to just give up and listen to the things I know. I I, I couldn't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, na 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 na. Halt, evildoer! Who are you? It is I, superb doer. Superb doer? Doer of superb acts, here to stop you and your evil super weapon from being fired in your secret lair. Oh, I see, you're just here to stop me. Well, I'll tell you what, it's too late. It's far too late. You'll never stop me. I've spent so long setting up this weapon. This is the perfect weapon and I will use it to destroy all of them. I will wipe every single one of them out and replace them in a way that will be completely perfect and wonderful to my ideals. (laughs) Oh, there's no time. I will stop you. You will never get away with this. No, well, I will get away with this, I assure you. Once I press this button, a laser will fire out and it will interact with all the satellites around the entire Earth, including Starlink. That's right, I'm using MuskTech as well. (laughs) No! The most evil. It will shower the laser down upon the earth and every Tory or fascist or turf that it strikes any kind of bigot at all it will replace them with a little tiny bunny rabbit with a cute little hat oh 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 oh. um oh no you're right uh i'll it's it's too late i'll never stop you that's Uh, right you won't i will (laughs) leave (laughs) oh no there it goes my laser if if only i had the super speed to stop it oh no now on the view screens, air all across the world, the Tories there, oh, the American right wing, all of them, every single one of them. Stop interacting with my laser. You'll never, you'll never stop it. <laughs> oh, yes, I was definitely trying to stop it and not turn the intensity up. I was definitely trying to stop it. Oh, you. There they go. There's oh, the Heritage Foundation. Me. Every one of them now. A cute little bunny in an adorable oh, hat. Oh, no. No more bigotry for you. The LAPD! <laughs> you'll never hurt an innocent again. I've. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, I really don't know why you put evil lair above your lair. I, I think you're doing great work. Uh, I didn't I didn't say that. Oh no, I've been defeated. I must leave. What a strange person. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I want to see more of? What do you want to see more of? Brochure Justice Warriors. Brochure Justice Warriors. Yeah. All right, Larry. All right, Larry. How are you doing? 
Oh, I'm tired, mate. I'll be honest. Yeah, same, same. Yeah, you been up to much? Uh, you know, I've been uh, keeping an eye on the uh, upcoming stroke stuff coming. Oh, yeah, good on them. Yeah. Well, it's, it's obviously it's a shame it's come to this, but the yeah. government have, uh, if nothing else, proved that uh, they're just not willing to, uh, not willing to, you know, make any kind of bargain because it yeah. really, really spits in the face of their plans to dismantle the NHS that they've been working on for yeah. the last 13 years. Well, I've specifically seen the uh, the nurses' strokes that are coming up around uh, around now. Which uh, yeah. it's uh, I've I've seen a lot of uh, conversation around around them, and specifically, like I've I've been thinking about uh, nurses are in a really difficult position for striking because, like yeah. you know, for strike action to be effective, it it, it really needs to be disruptive. It needs to be yeah. uh, inconvenient, but yeah. obviously. The powers that be that make the decisions about about nursing pay, for example, will usually rely on the fact that the kind of people who get into nursing, by and large, are people who do not want to let down patients and do not want to do anything that inconveniences patients. No. And that does limit striking ability somewhat sometimes. It's true, and we have seen the more recent strikes, we have seen people, you know, leaving the picket in order to go and make sure that people are receiving essential care that they need. Yeah. You know, obviously, that that is the plan. They are still trying to do, uh, make sure that no, no one is, uh, you know, put in a life-threatening situation, that Indeed. this isn't leading to deaths. No, but, you know, but obviously, it is inconvenient from a point of view of um, outpatient clinics yeah. uh, appointments uh, will be being missed lot, and yeah. have, obviously having to be rescheduled. And, and I know some people who've been on the receiving end of that of, you know, we waited months to receive an appointment and now it's had to be rescheduled because of the strikes. But yeah. It's a lot of people still understand that, the, quite rightly, the nurses have been put in in an appalling situation by a government that is horribly greedy and uh, out yeah. to serve themselves and the uh, private uh, medical industries that they are uh, receiving funds from. And this is why I think it's particularly important to be supportive of striking nurses uh, in situations like this, because there will oh, be a absolutely. lot of people who will, you know... The, the government knows that they, that they can sort of spin this as nurses don't care about you, they just care about money, you know, and try and use that spin. And they will try and use that spin because that's what they yeah. always try and do in these situations. And it's important, to, you know, that there are people speaking up going, no, you cannot let, you know, uh, the fact that they do work that is important to people prevent them from having the right to strike to get a decent proper living wage for the grueling work they do and yeah, you know yeah. it's it, it's one of the more important groups to like really be vocal about the fact that you support their right to strike because yeah. it is so difficult you know optically for them to do us for them to strike and have that sort of public backing i guess yeah you know uh if the, all the same people who were going out of an evening to uh, clap and bang pots and pans would make as much noise in their support for the NHS uh, when essential workers are striking. Because, you know, the, the, that they, they thought it was worth taking five minutes out, out, out of their lives to, uh, to, to stand on their front doors on a Thursday night or wherever it was supposed to be. I didn't yeah. quite follow all of that, but I do remember it happening and, and, and being the case. And 
I, I do hope that people who uh, you know were willing to do that will will remember uh, who it was that got us through uh, the crisis, and it sure wasn't the politicians who wasted huge amounts of money by uh, just uh, paying their friends for inadequate uh, materials and and, and PPE yes. and such. And uh, you know, I, but at the same time, I, I think I would like this whole worker versus worker um, mentality for a lot of this uh, taken away because I am sick of the old, uh, oh, well, you know, these people who, who flip burgers want as much as uh, a person who's who's a nurse. Well, you know, well, then maybe they should have, have, you know, got a better job and a better education. Well, At the same time, we have, uh, I think it was the, the BMA uh, this week put out an advert saying Pret-a-Manger of... Uh, Got uh, are, are paying more than uh, nurses are currently getting. Well, and again, well, this is from good. both sides. We need to stop this uh, mentality well, of putting workers against workers. I was going to point out that uh, you never hear those. Um, oh, burger flippers shouldn't get as much as uh, nurses. You never see those people use it like turning around and going, maybe nurses should get paid more. It's always an excuse to pay other groups of workers less. It should always be everyone should be getting more pay. Indeed, Except, you know ministers yeah. who uh, earn quite enough and are absolutely laughing at you. Indeed. Everyone is underpaid and uh, solidarity. Oh, absolutely. Uh, <sighs> it hug? Oh, yeah. Ah, good oh, night, mate. Good night. Good night. Right, I think we'll go and uh, pop the kettle on. Oh, sounds lovely. Nice, nice. So, Laura? Yes? Will you tell us about where we can find all the things that you do? I mean, all the things that I do can be found at Laura K. Buzz pretty much everywhere because I've got that good unified branding. Oh, Laura K. Buzz on nice. Twitter, Twitch, uh, TikTok, YouTube, uh, Patreon, that's the one that pays the bills. As uh, episodes of accessibility up every Friday, uh, just just Laura K. Buzz, you'll find all the stuff I do. What about you? Me? Well, I don't have the unified branding, so I have a link tree, and that's linkter.ee slash geniac, J-A-N-E-I-A-C. You can find all of the stuff I make. I'm doing music, and this podcast, and t-shirts... And all sorts of stuff, you can find it all over there. You can help support me, you can help me justify all these terrible, terrible life choices. They're great life choices. <laughs> I think they're great. I think you're great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can find all of those things at patreon.com slash stonedmonkeyradio. Can you help me justify that? You can help me, help, help me contribute to running the show and doing all those things and staying up late and editing the show and such. Uh, yeah, and I think that's everything. So, Laura, <gasps> yes, will you sing us out, please, darling? <gasps> Until next time, be a stranger. <laughs> <laughs>